You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pull Box Podcast. This is our 15th episode. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am your other host, Curtis Finley. And uh, and, and we've got, we got three uh, exciting books to talk about. Uh, one's not even really a book. It's kind of a book. It'll be a book eventually, but uh, right now it's just a webcomic, which is a first for us, which is exciting. But uh, the first book is uh, Spider-Verse, which was my, my choice uh, by Dan Slott and and a bunch of Oli- other people. Olivier Coipel? Uh, Olivier Coipel, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and various other people, uh, I, I think, uh, jump in here as well. On colors and whatnots and everything else, um, <clears throat> we've got Batman Year One Hundred by Paul Pope uh, with Jose Villarubia and uh, and uh, Hench Girl. I just had it open and I just read it and then I forgot. Kristen Goodsnuck. Yes, Kristen Goodsnuck. I and uh, you might be confused. You might be confused going, how come How come Spider-Man? Where did Spider-Man come from? Because if you just listen to the podcast, last month I had selected uh, Sonic Mega Man Mega Collection Epic Mega Crossover Edition. Yeah, Worlds Collide. Um, Worlds Collide. But I, Archie, for some reason, or, or maybe it was Diamond, or who knows who made the call, but somebody made a call and said... This isn't coming out yet, so uh, it was it was slated for release. Uh, initially, it was slated for release in May, and then it got pushed to June. You thought you'd be and safe, and then July, and and now it's been pushed to uh, September. It looks like, but we, I don't have any official confirmation on that. Wow. So um, I'm going to save that poll, and and we will read it when it comes out. But I wonder um, if they want to put the second crossover because they're in the middle of another crossover yes, right now, right? I wonder if they want to put both of those into one huge book i uh, maybe eventually but i don't think that that's like the the this book is still coming out and that that crossover i don't think will be done for a while oh, okay. so um but yeah i i so that was that was my pull but then we had to sort of uh i last minute change midway through the month yeah go i i don't think this is coming out <laughs> and uh and and swap it over to uh to what is basically amazing spider-man volume three um spider-verse and I, I talk about that. Talk about all these these Spider Mans. So yeah, and so not only did you when you handed me these books to read, you handed me also um, <laughs> yes. Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man Volume Two, which yeah. is Spider Verse Prelude. Yes. So um, we've read both of those. Yes. And in fact, months ago you also lent me Amazing Spider Man One, and before that Superior Spider Man. So I feel like I'm completely up to date on yeah, Spider Man like- here. Um, yeah, completely up to date. So that's good. And in fact, can we can we actually start talking about the prelude before we yeah, jump into yeah. the book? There, let's let's do that. Um, the first thing I wanted to note is that the, on the front cover of this book, it says 
it has a quote from Newsarama saying Peter Parker has really truly returned. However, Peter Parker's barely in this book. <laughs> in that specific book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so half of the book is a team up with him and Miss Marvel where actually Miss Marvel sort of takes center stage. Yeah. And then the other half of the book is It's the it's a passing of the torch story actually cuz Camilla Khan has been when we we talked about this when we read Miss Marvel. She's been referred to as the new Peter Parker, right? Like as the next generation's Peter Parker. Right. So there's a bit of like a, a, a passing of the torch story in there um, yeah. of Peter sort of meeting her for the first time and and which and, he'll probably do again when Miles Morales comes to the, oh yeah, this universe. Sure. Um, <laughs> He'll be the real new Peter Parker. I, I think it even ends with him sort of re- uh, referencing how much fun it was to be the new kid on the block right. sort of thing like the yeah the young superhero so uh, yeah and giving her validation for what she's doing yeah, and, yeah. yeah exactly it, it was it was good and that's really the only hint of peter parker truly truly returning there yeah um because the second half of it is um a story um it's the 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 next two episodes of or issues of superior spider-man after octavius dies yeah. So, which is odd already. <laughs> like, I didn't realize they were yeah. continuing that series. Um, and this one, actually, it's a huge story that actually takes place in, like, the issue 19, I think they call it, where yeah. he goes to another dimension and come, then comes back and doesn't remember anything. Turns out that the whole story that is Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, I, did they have that planned way, way back then when they did ni- um, issue number 19? Yes, I, I I think that they did because they have they have these uh, conferences, right? I think we've talked about it before on on the podcast that that both Marvel and DC will basically have uh, writers conferences where they bring in all of the major writers, the lead writers for the for their big books, and they break down what's going to happen over the course of the next couple of years, right? Okay. Um, Spider-Verse is one of, I think, three different multiverse-bending storylines that have all culminated in Secret Wars. Right. Um, it, it's, it's actually the actions of, of Superior Spider-Man in Spider-Verse that are partially to blame. So it's, it's Superior Spider-Man, uh, he, he mucks with the, mucks with the, the, the Great Web, which is a, a, a running sort of theme in, in Spider-Man's books from I think like the the two thousand and one or something. No, um, it's not early. I think it's later than that. But we'll get into that when we talk anyways, about Spider-Verse. Yeah, um, Hank McCoy, Beast, messes with the multiverse when oh, he yeah. brings the the young X-Men into the into the present, which we also um, read in our first issue, yeah. our first episode. Uh, and then the Avengers have been dealing with different like multiverse incursions and that sort of thing so like where uh, uh, superior spider-man or uh, i guess throughout this spider-man story we sort of see some of the the consequences of what's going on it's really like beast is the one who who i uh, i uh, you know i uh, sort of tipped the scales when he brought the young x-men into the future it was the first thing that started to crack the fabric sort of thing um as if the crack fabric hasn't been cracked before yeah exactly but but it was like it was the straw that broke the camel's back that was kind of the way that it was referred to um because i believe in one of the in one of the all-new x-men the the 
like the future X-Men come to the present as well. Yes, I, and in that one the 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 watcher maybe it's a different maybe it was a different volume. I can't remember, but in one of them uh the 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 watcher comes to beast and basically tells him like you've ruined everything like (laughs) like your choice your decision here has set into motion a course of events that is going to basically destroy the universe as we know it and there's nothing that can stop it and nothing's getting like you it doesn't matter that i'm telling you this because because they, you know, they're not supposed to get involved and in all that sort of thing. Yeah, but, but it's the, the watcher always gets involved. Yeah, but and he it, always says that. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those things where he's like, he's like, it doesn't matter that I tell you this because what you've done has created this chain of events that's unstoppable and it's going to destroy the entire universe, the wow. multiverse, and who knows what'll happen after that. Of course, we all know Secret Wars happens and then everything's fine after Secret Wars, but. <laughs> Um, and exactly what fine I but said. different fine but different exactly what was going to happen happened they, look Secret Wars Spider-Verse all new X-Men this is all uh, I, basically the whole thing is just to get Miles Morales and the Ultimates universe and wiped Spider-Pig. out <laughs> and spider but to get the Ultimates universe wiped out yeah. and then Miles Morales in 616 right. That that's the whole whole purpose of all of this so they're sitting in their conference yeah. and they say okay guys here's what we need to do we don't yeah. we don't want the ultimate universe anymore yeah um we want but we like miles morales yeah so what can we do i need all of your big heads thinking of a way that makes sense to yeah. bring him back in where they could have just like opened up a portal and boom he's there that's what they did for 2099 sure but they have to make this huge huge event well, that crosses every story I, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure they they it wasn't just like like this is the the singular purpose. The, right. The, they also the main wanted old man Logan, and they yeah, wanted yeah. you know. There's a whole bunch of. I'm sure there are a whole bunch of differences that. Yeah. Um, um, they're picking picking and choosing the best parts of their history. Yeah. And now smooshing it into one. And and one. along with with everything else that Joe Casada has been doing uh, with diversifying the 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 heroes that exist in the Marvel universe. I th- I think that they that that like Miles Morales I guess is probably the thing that I hone in on because he's kind of the poster boy for this whole movement. Yeah. But Kamala Khan's also in there and and I I the new Thor is also part of that and just this idea that I what has generally been a white male social club needs to be more representative. Right. And so I think that Secret Wars has has been like a, a part of that motivation uh, to to get to a point where this all new, all different Marvel universe is a much more diverse Marvel universe. It's yeah. something that they can start promoting and then start bringing this stuff into the movies and the TV shows. Yeah. But yeah. And but I do think that in that meeting two years ago, they went. This is where we're going with Secret Wars, yeah. And and Dan Slott pitched Spider Verse as the Spider Man lead up to Secret Wars of yeah. like let's bring all of because this is actually reminiscent of a storyline from the the nineties the nineties cartoon, cartoon. Uh, Spider Man cartoon was, and that's exactly what it reminded me of yeah. I loved that that was their yeah. series finale as well nineties Spider Man is in this actually like the the cartoon nineties Spider Man is is in Spider Verse you just have to look for him they don't point him out okay but he's there um, you'll have to show me because I yeah. didn't see that. Um, but yeah, I, it basically every Spider-Man is in one of these books at some point. Right. So I, 
uh, except for one, and we'll, we'll get to that. But, <laughs> I, but I do think that they that they they did say like you know this is where we're going, this is what we're going to do, and I would bet that it was around the same time that that they were working on that story to have him go to the future. Yeah, because what we find out, what we discover is that Superior Spider-Man goes to the future at one point in in Superior Spider-Man. He said issue nineteen, I think he said. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back, and and but what we don't notice is that there's a chunk of actual missing time in there. Right. He comes um, back, and his suit is torn, and he yeah. says, and he doesn't remember what happened. Yeah. And they just pass it off as whatever, and they just yeah. move on with yeah. the story. Um. But I do think like they knew where they were going with Spider Verse, yeah. and he knew that this was the best way to get Peter Parker and Otto. You actually know, uh, facing yeah, off uh, yeah. superior spider-man in in one story together um yeah because we all wanted to see peter's peter battling yeah because there wasn't that there was a mind battle but there was yeah, an actual there was never an actual like physical, physical confrontation yeah, yeah. Had to find out who is actually the better spider-man right? right there's it's sort of a it was a it was a purely academic debate yeah prior to spider-verse yeah um and then by the end of spider-verse i think we, find we have out a conclusive that, answer yeah yeah well, um, which we all knew. <laughs> oh yeah, already. for sure, obviously. But uh, yeah. can I? But, yeah. Can I interject and just say one thing about their big story <clears throat> meeting? Because um, yeah. they're talking about where they want to be in a couple years. But I also really think that looking at their movies yeah. had a big deal, a big part of this as well. Not just for Spider Verse, but for everything. Yes. Because they're they're all of their actors, their main three actors, their contracts are coming up, and yep. we already know that, like. Chris Evans doesn't want to continue being Captain America. Yeah. Um, Chris Hemsworth, I don't know what his stance is, but I'm pretty sure he's going to move on to do other things too. And same with Robert Downey Jr. So why don't we make a female Thor? Yeah. Because we already have a great actress, leading actress cast who can step into that role for the movies. Um, and then let's have Captain America, Falcon become Captain America because yeah. we already have him cast as well. Um, stepping into that role so yeah. we can continue the franchise the movie franchise without and it'll still be quote unquote true to the comics yeah um and they don't have to recast those characters yeah um and they i just evolve them they just exactly move them they forward move, on the timeline yeah my only the only <clears> thing <throat> is what did they do with tony stark because he's still tony stark he's just kind of different yeah um yeah it's it, the the Iron Man conundrum is the hardest part because Iron Man's never really been I mean that's not entirely true cuz cuz Rhodey was Iron Man at one point. Right. But um Iron Man's not really a legacy character like he hasn't had the mantle passed on that right. many times and not not to great effect. Uh and I would say primarily because Iron Man hasn't particularly been popular or well known even until though, the movies until yeah the movies, exactly even even though yeah. he was a founding member of the Avengers and all of that yeah, yeah he was always yeah. yeah he was always just kind of a background character i mean there there's the demon in a bottle storyline that he's famous for but which is like two issues <laughs> yeah but other than that the character is just kind of right and he doesn't have a rose gallery person. and yeah. he doesn't like he never had his tv shows were terrible yeah. Um, so I don't know for for me I the, here's the thing Robert Downey Jr. has talked about being Iron Man and how at a certain point when he gets too old playing Iron Man in the suit is silly 
right when he gets to a certain age yeah which i don't think is very far away it's it's probably within the next few years right as which these, would be the as these three. movies go yeah. yeah yeah um what i do see is robert downey jr loves playing in the marvel universe and he loves the character of tony stark Tony Stark doesn't necessarily need to go away. Robert Downey Jr. doesn't necessarily need to go That's away. That's true. He could still be there, just he not could, in the suit. Yeah, because Sam Jackson could decide that he's done, although I don't think that's ever going to happen either. Because <laughs> like, those are two guys that they just love. They love They love books. playing yeah. as actors, and they love doing this. But uh, um, I think I think uh, Tony Stark shifting into that... that uh, uh, Mentor sort of like, kind of role. Yeah, and, yeah. and like the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., is sort of where that oh, yeah. character is eventually leading. Because um, uh, he did do that in the comics too, right? He did. He did. Director he did, of yes. S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. yeah, Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. While, during Civil War. So, uh, during... And, and While Norman Osborn was Iron Man, right? Yes, Norman so, Osborn was Iron Patriot. So then they bring in... No, okay, so, so the, that, that was afterwards, <laughs> though. That was because Iron Man... Tony Stark was Iron Man and the Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the same time during okay. Civil War. Post-Civil War, he stepped down. I think Maria Hill was the director for a little while okay. until Norman Osborn took over. Oh, yeah, he was Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. And he, when now, he was Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., he became Iron Patriot. Because now that they have the Spider-Man movies within this Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. they could bring in Norman and then put him they in will. the Iron Man. They will bring in Norman Osborn. Oh, I'm sure they will. I It... it, it I wouldn't be surprised if the Spider-Man connection in Civil War, and one of the reasons why we see his character, because I think we've they've said that that he's going to be in it, right? Yeah, is that is that we will get at least a a hint of Norman Osborn, like like a reference to Oscorp or Norman Osborn, if not an an actual like cameo, like an on-screen appearance, like at the end after everything's happened and Shield is once again torn apart by (laughs) all of this stuff. Uh, yeah. Norman Osborn will step like in step in to, to to basically take over, yeah. right? Um, step out of the shadows, sort of thing, and then that'll be a lead into a Spider-Man story. But uh, all that to bring us right back around to Spider-Man, <laughs> to Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, and Spider-Verse. Let's talk about let's talk about the actual sure. story here. So um, the the premise of Spider-Verse is that. A, a character from Spider-Man's past, Morlin, who I'm actually not not super familiar with, but I think that he comes from the other storyline. He comes from before that. So okay. when Michael, when J. Michael Straczynski first took over the book, yeah, back in like I don't, it was like maybe '99 or 2000. The or last time like that. that they, the first time that they started a movie franchise and had to fix the comics to be in line with the movies. Right. So I kind of mark that point as the end of old Spider-Man and the beginning of modern Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and that's around the time when kind of beginning of all m- modern Marvel comics sort of begins yeah. as well. X Men went through the onslaught thing, which and yeah. that that triggered Heroes Were Born. Like so, the whole Marvel universe went in a more mature yeah. thing. And so it was the last time that they had a hard reboot. Yeah, basically was was the Heroes Were Born, and and this is around that same time. Yeah, and so yeah, this, and the clone <clears throat> stuff all ended yeah. and whatever. So this so J Michael Straczynski comes in and redefines Spider-Man and introduces Moreland in his first story. Okay. And, in, and the and idea of the totems. The, the whole idea of the totems and really completely pummels Peter Parker. Like, yeah. really, really, like, this is the worst we've ever seen him get beat. Yeah. Ever. Um, and when, I think, Aunt May finds out that he's Spider-Man at that, in that storyline as yeah. well and 
the whole thing kind of changes. So he's he's been around, and then he comes back for that other story, which I had stopped reading Spider-Man between that story and this, so I never read the others. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I guess Morley comes back every seven years to renew the copyright of the character or something like okay. that. <laughs> and so that's... Uh, I, I'm happy to see him in here, although he does, he's not nearly as menacing as he has been in the past. No, I... And 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 it's actually it's actually an important part of the story that Morlin being uh, this Im- part of this immortal race that that we're just learning about, yeah, um, sort of getting his backstory for the first time. Really, um, he he uh, he's afraid of Peter Parker. He's not afraid of the other spiders, but he's afraid of six one six Peter Parker because the only he's one... been defeated yeah. twice. Yeah. By this, by this Spider-Man. So he's been avoiding six one six, and he's been playing it off as like, no, I'm saving it best for last. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> he's the most powerful Spider-Man um, because basically what we learn is that he's Spider-Man Prime. He's yeah. he's the he. All of these other Spider-Men are and women are shadows of his Spider-Maniness. Although he has a speech at the end where he says because one of the the I think the. Uh, the the Indian yeah the yeah. Indian Spider Man is like but like my I have an uncle Bim and my name is it's like Probjot or something like that like it every, close enough it, it it's like everything seems like it's like this reflection of Peter Parker yeah right and and his story um and and Peter Parker goes like no that's not that we're all Spider Man like we're all equally important it's like that's that is obviously not true but um uh, so basically Moreland Moreland has been along with his siblings which was the first time we're introduced to his siblings they've been traveling the multiverse wiping out different spiders so uh, sucking out their life essence because they're they're life force vampires. Yeah, and um, right off the bat, we see the Spider-Man and his amazing friends Spider-Man die. Yeah, and then the House of M Spider-Man is dead. Yeah, and then the Civil War Spider-Man is dead. Those yeah. are the first three that we that we see die. Um, and uh, I, although like this is all sort of coming, uh, sort of like I uh, uh, being introduced to Peter Parker. Like our Peter Parker, there have been hints, and that's what the the Spider Verse Prelude and Edge of Spider Verse books were about. It was sort of this has all been happening since before Superior Spider Man, um, and in Superior Spider Man, the the last two issues, <clears throat> when when Otto gets sent to the future and then tries to get home, when he comes home, it's not his. It's not six one six. It's a different one of the multiverses, right? Um, and and so he's been traveling back and forth and all with time travel and and traveling through the multiverse, gathering his team of Spider Man. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Spider UK, Spider UK, terrible, terrible <laughs> name. Like it's just so uncreative. But I, like when you have this many Spider Man, what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, Spider UK has been, which is the, he's the Captain Britain. Spider-Man. Yeah. He's on the Britain core. Yeah, he's Captain Britain, but he's also got the powers of Spider-Man. Uh, so he's been gathering because Captain Britain is I guess a multiverse type character like his, like, like, like the, Nova or Green Lantern. Yeah. Um but like they 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 patrol the multiverse, the 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 Captain Britain. Not core planets or, or yeah, yeah, right, right. Um 
Yeah, so, is there a DC equivalent to that? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. There is in the Sonic the Hedgehog comics, um, <laughs> which I think is really funny that that like the that this has so much in common with an old. I think it's issue eleven of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, where like he go he travels through a multiverse and 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 gathers together a group of Sonic the Hedgehogs to fight. Right. Well, the this, worst is not a, this is not um, a new storyline. No. Not no, at all. Like, not, didn't, not I'm not sure Doctor least. Who's done that as well. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been done so many times, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man has already done this one. Right, in the 90s cartoon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I choose to believe that the 90s cartoon Spider-Man, where he ends up fighting Spider-Carnage, was like, like, because that's the end of that series. Yeah. That the end of that... Because they jump point, into a portal, don't they? At the very yeah, end of that. At the end of that, it like it brings se- them it sidelines in, into Spider Verse, and it was actually all happening at the same time. Because like, it could, at, yeah, totally. time travel is confusing, and when you get yeah. into time travel and the multiverse, it's even more confusing. Um, so Captain Britain, Spider Man, Spider UK has been gathering his team as well, yep. not knowing that that Superior Spider Man has been gathering his team. And then they're they're kind of like, well, it, we're almost strong enough to strike. Like we're almost ready. So they they grab Peter Parker and Silk uh, from the six one six universe, which Silk is a character that was just introduced in Volume One of Amazing Spider Man of the yeah. relaunch, um, connected to Morlin in some way. Yeah. Um, and the the story there is that she was also bitten by. She was bitten by the same radioactive spider as Peter. Like, he wasn't the only one bitten that day. But she was hidden in a bunker for her entire life until the the, the story that happens in Amazing Spider-Man 1. Um, volume 1. So, she's come out. She's another... She, she I think they refer to her as the bride. The bride, yeah. Um, but she's another Spider-Man. Uh, or, or another spider. Um, and she's unique because... In the other multiverses, there's only one. There's only one spider in each one. But f- in that multiverse, there's this other person with the spider totem. Um, in fact, there's also another one, <laughs> and there have been others. Yeah, that's one of the things in in six one six is that uh, there's also uh, Kane, who is the Scarlet Spider. Now he's not the Scarlet Spider from the Clone Saga, although he kind of is. Like he's a Kane was there in the in the clone side. Yes, uh, but he's not Ben Riley, and he's right. not the Peter Parker clone. Because Ben Riley, it turned out, was the actual Spider Man, was the actual Peter Parker, right? No, um, they um, Ben Riley was the yeah. They thought Ben Riley was the was the actual Peter Parker. So Peter Parker goes away, and then we follow the adventures of Ben Riley. But then okay. at the end of his saga, they reveal, oh yeah, he actually was the clone the whole time. Okay, and he dies. Okay, and Peter Parker comes back, and in. there's another clone named Kane. Named Kane, but who he becomes a bad guy at one point. And right, he turns into a tarantula. He he becomes a character called the Tarantula, who yeah. is like basically Man Spider, but right. a little bit more in control. Um, and that's in the other story. I think so. I think so. Uh, he comes back every seven years as well to renew his. Yeah, copyright. and then and then he became the Scarlet Spider. But like the new Scarlet Spider, who's a little bit—he's kind of an anti-hero. Yeah. Um, he's a little—he's a little hard, more hard-edged than Spider-Man um, because he's got this dark past and all that. Yeah. So he and he can transform into a giant man spider, um, 
And he's he's what's what do they call him? They the scion the the, the scion the, the yeah scion? so he's the scion and then there's the the uh, and then there's the the spider yeah, what's the girl last one? we should just look at this up yeah the books, right the books in are in front of us and then there then there's the spider girl universe where spider girl is Peter Parker's daughter in an alternate future um, which was actually considered the the actual future of Spider Man but right. for a long time but uh, she's got a younger brother Ben obviously named after Uncle Ben yeah. Who is the? Or is is he the side? I can't remember. Uh, where does it where does it say that? They, uh, towards the them? end of the story, when they've got all three of them, it, it would probably be pretty close together. But uh, in any case, they've got these three these three pieces of the story. Um, they bring they they bring Spider Man, Peter Parker. Along with Spider Woman and and Scarlet Spider, and they hook up with the whole team, and then go to a, co- a universe where Cosmic Spider Man still is Cosmic Spider Man. Kane is the other. There's Kane the bride, the other, the other, and the scion. And scion. So, so the the baby is the scion. Yeah. Um, basically, they need and the the oh, what are, what are these guys called? Um, the the inheritors yeah the inheritors have this plan to basically rid the multiverse of all spiders even though they love to to feast on their life force it's the the most succulent life force in the multiverse um the the they're the first of them the the father wants to uh basically erase spider-man from the multiverse and and make sure that there are no new ones he doesn't really say why uh, I think just because they're a threat, it's a threat to their, to their kingdom, to because they're the inheritors of the multiverse. They're sort of the rulers of, or they they're like self-appointed, right? Self-appointed monarchs of yeah <clears throat> of the multiverse. And so, it's so weird. Like Thanos is not a threat to them. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and they, Kang is not a threat to them. It's 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 Spider Man because, <laughs> because well, he's a totem. Yeah, right? because he's the spider totem, and because <laughs> because along with the spider powers, there's just the whole great power comes great responsibility. Like there are all these elements to the Spider Man story that makes Spider Man and all of the Spider Mans a threat. So they basically just get all of these Spider-Men together so that they can fight the Inheritors and show off all the different Spider-Men. I mean, that, yeah. that's really what the story is. Yeah. Um, one of the cooler side notes is that Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man from the comics, as well as Ultimate Spider-Man from the cartoon series, end up on it. Because they kind of all split up into teams at one point. And, and one of those teams actually goes off into the animated Ultimate Spider-Man story, and part of this story is a cartoon, like it's yeah. an actual literal cartoon. A couple which is, episodes, yeah, yeah. Which is why I, it's four episodes. I think was the oh, yeah. was the story arc. I, which is why I don't have a problem grabbing '90s Spider-Man and saying '90s Spider-Man also was part of this, and so right. was that weird '2000s Spider-Man cartoon, which yeah. I think Neil Patrick Harris was the voice of Peter Parker. Right. Um, 
It's a computer animated one that Mainframe here in Vancouver did. Was that in, in this? I didn't see uh, that. I don't Spider-Man. think that it specifically was, but I'm just saying, like, I in my world, all of these these Spider-Men have all kind of, like, right. come together at one point or another in yeah, this story. Yeah, because um, Spider-Man Unlimited is in this one. I saw him. Uh, or he's in uh, The Prelude. Uh, he gets killed right at the beginning. The Unlimited one? Yeah. Okay. He, where, let me see. Which is technically where the 90s Spider-Man ends up, I guess. Right, um, yeah, kind of. Which, but you could also consider that another multiverse because he goes to an, he goes to a planet that's in the opposite orbit to, to isn't that what the story is or or yeah so there is a planet on the opposite side of the sun yeah. that we can never see because the sun's in the way because <laughs> <laughs> so, that makes sense yeah <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just and a reflection of where animals talk and yeah where is it where is that Ultimate Spider Man I mean Spider Man Unlimited it's uh. Is he in one of them? Um, he's right. He's right at the beginning of um, one of these books, or maybe it was. Maybe I just saw it. In so, so one of my favorite things about this book uh, is also my least favorite thing about this story. Okay, uh, is that you bring in all of the different Spider-Men that have ever existed. So uh, we've talked about that both Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, uh, you've got uh, the uh, Japanese live action series Spider-Man yeah from the 70s from the 70s who has a giant robot like a Power Rangers type robot called Leo Pardon who's actually a very important part of the story very important (laughs) Um, you get Spider-Man 2099 in there you have Spider-Man 1602 at the beginning of the prelude Um, I all of these different ones so it's like everybody's favorite Spider-Man found him in the beginning here's Spider-Man Unlimited right here oh okay at the beginning of the prelude Cool. That's he. That's how yeah. um, Captain Britain, Spider Man, Spider Spider Uck, Spider Uck, <laughs> Spider Uck, yeah. um, gets this uh, feed through a cerebral type type thing that Morlin has just killed Spider Man Unlimited. Yeah. Um. So. So sorry. Yeah. So all of these different Spider Man, all all uh, even some new ones. I like we get I I. Spider Moon Man. Yeah. We where get... New York is on the moon. <laughs> Uh, we get a Spider-Man who's who was trained by Wolverine. Oh yeah. Um, so he uses guns and he's like he's hardcore. Is that the Spider-Man assassin? Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, assassin I was wondering Spider-Man. if he'd come up before. So he's new for this book. He's he's new. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, yeah, and the most important addition to all of these characters is Spider Gwen, right? Uh, which is Spider Girl from the the a universe where she gets bitten by the spider instead of Peter. Right. And then Peter Parker ends up becoming the lizard, a version of the lizard, and then oh, dying. Really? And oh, being the, the way that she gets sort of the great power comes great responsibility story. Um, which uh, which I think is really cool. Um, she's, also, she's also got a rock band called the Mary Janes that Mary Jane Watson <laughs> is the lead singer of. And she's... She, I think she's the drummer or something like that. Um, just like this really cool is Dazzler in that alternate. Band too? Sorry, is Dazzler in that band? Too? <laughs> that would make it perfect. I don't remember. I don't think so. I think I would remember. <laughs> that. Um, but uh, just really cool stuff and a really cool reintroduction of the Gwen Stacy character as a Spider-Man. Uh, I, and and she's sort of she's a character that now, I mean, she's getting her own book coming out of Secret Wars. Right. Because um, she decides to at the end to stay in 616. 
Oh no, she no, goes she back goes to her. she goes back to hers, and and her story is in her universe. So is is she coming to six one six through Secret Wars? No, which is what I thought was going to end up happening. I thought that after after she was super popular, she'll end up there eventually. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that Maybe, like the second gotta, or third volume will end Gwen up. Gwen Stacy is one of those characters I think that just kind of has to stay dead, kind of like Uncle Ben. You can bring him back for a story or whatever, yeah. but then they have to return to death. Like, yeah. Jean Grey is kind of like that these days too. Um. But uh, I so all of these Spider Men, new and old. But there is one glaring omission in this whole story. Okay, which one is it? Spider Boy from the Amalgam Universe. Now, obviously, there are <laughs> there are licensing issues, right? Yeah. But come on, you got all of the different Spider Mans from all of the different alternate. Now, my favorite, and and I would even put him above Peter Parker Spider Man because he is. The combination of two of my yeah. favorite superheroes of yeah. all time. Uh, I, Superman, although a different version of Superman, Con-El, Superboy. Uh, a clone. Yeah, a clone, which ties which into the ties Spider-Man into stuff Spider-Man. of the 90s. <laughs> along with Peter Parker merged together into into one character, Spider-Boy, where he's got he's got the leather jacket and the, the, the great hair cut of, yeah. uh, of, Spider, of Superboy from, from the, the 90s, 90s. Con-El, Superboy. Uh, with the Spider-Man, the spider power, uh, yeah, yeah, a uh, uh, costume and uh, sort of a, an S shield spider on his chest, and I just thought like he's just, he's just one of my favorite characters. And, and when Amalgam happened after DC and Marvel had their big, uh, they had a big battle in the ni- in the early nineties, and the result of that big battle was a combined universe, a combined universe, the Amalgam universe, um, where we saw characters like Spider Boy and. Dark Claw, which was uh, Wolverine and Batman. How perfect is that? I, and uh, Super Soldier, which was Super Superman and Captain America. Um, I just, it, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm really hoping that he's in the background of a panel of one of the books that's not collected here, because there, because there are, there's a Spider Woman story that happens. Although I doubt that he's in that. There's that a, takes place in, because um, that that whole storyline is when she's the pretending to be the servant. Yeah, of the in the inheritors. Uh, so uh, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of yeah. Spider-Man popping up there. Um, uh, but there's a there there's a he's not in the 2099 one because I glanced that. Um, so maybe in in Spider Verse because there are three issues of Spider Verse that we can't seem yeah. to find. <laughs> or Spider Verse team up. <clears throat> or Spider Verse team up. So maybe he's and in. There's that. also Scarlet Spider's miniseries. Yes, they, that could be there as well yeah so i'm really hoping that he's in one of those stories and so i'm gonna have to peruse those different stories and if if anybody out there listening can tell me that spider boy does show up at some point um because not only does spider boy is is he one of the spider totems in my opinion he also actually like travels through time because in the second Yes, yeah, when they did yeah. they did a, a second round of Amalgam Comics, uh, he traveled to the to uh, basically the Legion of 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 Heroes future where they had a whole bunch of other uh, yeah. What was Amalgam the, characters? What did they combine? What 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 was the Marvel half of Legion of Superheroes? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. I'd have to pull those comics out. Yeah. Um, in order to look at it, but I. Uh, but yeah, so that's my that's my one my one problem with Spider Man, with the Spider Man story as it's gotten like with Spider Verse and everything is that you have all of this opportunity to to 
to bring in all these awesome Spider-Man characters, and the, my favorite <laughs> well, is the one that feels like he gets left out. Ultimately, that's a pretty small oh yeah for complaint. Sure, for sure. I, I no. mean, there are so many Spider-Man it's, in here. The 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 thing with the Spider-Verse story is that it's the culmination of the last couple of years right. of of Spider-Man storytelling with Superior Spider-Man, and then and yeah. then Peter Parker. It serves return. two purposes. The main one of the purposes is the the, it it brings yeah the spider the superior spider-man story finally to conclusion yeah um and the other purpose like you said is to uh establish which spider people we're going to follow here on out yeah uh, why they're there bringing them together in a way that's quote-unquote makes sense yeah. um they also change a lot of um spider girl's story by mm-hmm. by killing off peter parker in her yeah. world in the future and bringing Uncle Ben into her, into her storyline. Yes. Um, yeah, Uncle Ben from a from a multiverse where Uncle Ben is actually the last living person on the planet. Yeah, because he, he got bit by the spider because yeah. he chaperoned Peter on that yeah. uh, trip and um, he got bit instead. But he's reluctant. He didn't want to be Spider Man um, because it ended up killing Peter. And um, and and an entire world. It, well, it, it Aunt May also died. Right, um, and then he ended up in the bunker, and because he was in the bunker, bad things happened because he yeah. stopped being Spider-Man. Right, um, and bad guys were able to pull off their their evil schemes without the yeah. Spider-Man around. And that Spider Girl, um, May Parker, has uh, has really been popular. I mean, she I didn't realize that she lasts so long after yeah. that whole future Marvel Universe kind of little side project that they did. Yeah, um, she keeps on coming back, and I uh, have I actually have issue number one of Spider Girl. Oh yeah, yeah. When they introduced that character, because I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and it's a great <clears throat> idea. She was definitely the best part of that whole yeah that whole concept, and um, giving her so much focus in this book makes me think that they have plans for her in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, because 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 her little brother is is as we talked about the Scion so he was really important in that he also has spider powers like she does inherited Um, yeah yeah so so yeah it it is yeah it is interesting how focal she was to it Um, it was also really interesting to see uh, how Peter how our Peter reacted to all of these different stories and seeing all of the different versions of his story Sort of yeah, in, in fact, some instances alternate futures, like yeah. of sort of where because I mean, in the current comics, he is not with Mary Jane, and there's not really any hope of him being with Mary Jane anytime soon. Um, they'd have to do a pretty major overhaul to the story. Actually, they they have in one of them because there's there's a during Secret Wars, there's a version of the the battle world where Peter Parker and Mary Jane are married and and happy and all that sort of thing, and they but, have a daughter. Yes, which um, is May Parker. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's interesting to see how he reacts. How he reacts to seeing Gwen. Uh, at yeah. one point, he he holds her back from the fight because he doesn't want to lose her. He again. doesn't want to lose her again, and he's worried that like if she's there, that's what's going to happen. And then he realizes that she's not the same Gwen, and that he has his hangups about it. And you know, like there's the although. This is very much a a book about the larger adventure of Spider Verse. 
there are these shining moments within it where Peter Parker gets to have these awesome moments of character development uh, that I hope he holds on to post Battle World Secret Wars uh, that that he still remembers all of this stuff and and has grown as a result and sort of realized that that uh, that being Spider-Man is an awesome thing and that that it's that yeah it's a lot of power it's a lot of responsibility but it's also um, of all of the Spider-Man he he's one of the ones that gets to have the most fun his story is one of the actual like brightest and happiest even with all the things that's happened to him um, and that there's there's there are worse alternate futures and and realities out there yeah. and he's pretty lucky as far as the spiders go so um so yeah i hope that i hope that spider-verse has a lasting effect on the story uh i mean obviously it does because it is part of that larger reboot of the the marvel universe but but on our peter parker specifically but uh i i'm i'm excited to to i i mean amazing spider-man coming out of battle world is a completely new story where he's a completely not a completely different character it is still this peter parker and everything but it's going to be a very different type of spider-man story where he's basically iron man but spider-man <laughs> he's spider right. iron man um with all of the resources of parker industries yeah because um, he's got a whole company and yeah yeah and jet setting around the world and that sort of thing. So he's going to be a globe trotting Spider Man, going on all these different adventures. While we've got Miles Morales in the six one six as the Ultimate Spider Man, who is your street level kid Spider Man, bringing Peter York. Parker back to or bringing Spider Man back to his roots. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So we get the best going of both worlds of a thirty year old Spider Man who's off doing his fun. I, I eventual adventures, yep. and we've got the the Team young Spider Man starting out. So For the kids, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the only thing that I wonder is um, if this book is your first exposure to comics or to yeah. Spider Man. I would be completely turned off because it's so convoluted, oh, yeah. and we have like a hundred characters who all look the same, and. Yep. Uh, um, this is not a comic for beginners. Not at all. It is. It is. It's strictly written for people who have been longtime fans of Spider-Man because yeah. because we understand the way comics work with time travel and all that, plus all of the nods to the past. And it's it just seems overly confusing. Yeah. So um, Dan Slott, Dan Slott has definitely been writing Spider-Man in the last few years for longtime Spider-Man fans. Both with the superior story and now with what he's done, but the amazing, superior story but... is still accessible. Oh yeah, for sure, it was a good jumping on point because it was the beginning of a new and even sort of the new era. Once so, Peter Parker came back, that first volume was a good yeah, jumping on point. Yeah. But then all of a sudden they dive into this. Oh yeah, he only like... gets one volume before Spider Verse starts yeah. to take over, and even that first volume is a lead into Spider Verse because it's your introduction to Silk. Right. Um, so it's it just seems like it explodes into something that I think yeah. people wouldn't understand. I think, they're... but at the same time, I think it's the best Spider-Man has been in a long time because it's somebody just telling stories with Spider-Man as opposed to Marvel as a company using Spider-Man as a way to get kids into comic books. Because Spider-Man's always been used as that portal in. Uh, not always, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. But I think in the last few years... They've they've kind of every five minutes they were rebooting Spider Man, um, 
and I guess they've technically done that with with Amazing Spider-Man number one. But for the first time to me, it feels like because I read Brand New Day when it happened and Brand New Day didn't feel like getting back to what made Spider-Man great. Amazing Spider-Man volume one that introduced Silk and, and he fights Electro um, it kept all of the history of the character. It didn't. It wasn't a hard reboot of Spider-Man like Brand New Day was, but it was getting back to the core of what made what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so, like you say, it's a good jumping-on point, and and it feels to me like like they've tried to do that with Peter Parker a few times, and it's always sort of this get him back to you know he's not in a relationship with Mary Jane. He doesn't have all of the history like it's he's just spider-man it's simple he's just gonna fight some bad guys um brand new day i think was a terrible storyline i didn't enjoy it yeah but this so this is like i'm a i have always been a spider-man fan but but i've never really liked the spider-man comics until dan slot started writing them with with superior spider i mean he started writing before that but but that's the point that i just started with brand new day didn't he wasn't he because uh, he, like, he did, like he did, if that was Spider him. Island and Big Time and yes. all of that kind of stuff. Like those were all pretty superior for, yeah. for a few, quite a few years, I think. Um, I don't remember if it was him that did Brand New Day. Oh, uh, well, doesn't matter. Yeah. In any case, I like this is really like the, the telling good stories with Spider Man and using his his history. I think is uh, is an important part of the character. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I um, wasn't fan of um, through this comic was jumping around with the artists. There, there are a yeah. bunch of um, issues nine to nine to eleven is one artist, then twelve is a different artist, and then I don't know what happened to issue thirteen because uh, it doesn't say in this book. Oh, twelve to sorry, twelve to fifteen is a different artist, but then. They tag team on issue fourteen or something like that. So it's like there, there's um, a back and forth, and I, it's not as noticeable because there are so many Spider Men that um, <laughs> yes. they all have different kind of styles anyway. They, which is neat, they draw them in different different styles. Yeah. But um, man, I just like I like it when one artist can do one full storyline. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice because um... they they do have fairly different styles. Anyway, one one last thing, then we can stop talking about Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> it, my favorite Spider-Man is in this book. Um, the very first Spider-Man comic I ever bought was one where he had cosmic powers. And so we have the cosmic power um, Captain Universe Spider-Man yeah. in this storyline, and I was happy to see that. So there you go. <laughs> Mine yeah. made it in. <laughs> and he was an important part of the plot. Yep. Um, cool. Until he died. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well... Uh, that was a long talk about Spider-Man because I I, I think it, it wasn't just a talk about Spider-Verse. I think we also had to die. We we've been talking about it was a talk about Marvel Spider-Man for a long time. Yeah, it was a talk about Marvel so, in, in in a whole because, like you say, we read all, um, all new X-Men. We read Miss yeah. Marvel. All of those things, kind of, they're, they're all connected. Yeah. So it was kind of revisiting a lot of those yeah, things that we've talked sure. about in the past. Cool. Um, well, let's let's talk about another alternate reality yeah. of a superhero that we all know and love. Uh, Batman Year One Hundred. I picked this book um, not because of Batman, but because of Paul Pope. Um, yeah. Like a year ago, I think we talked about Battling Boy, yes. which was by Paul Pope, and I 
I just love this guy. He he does so much great work, and he's got such a distinct, unique style in his art and in his storytelling. So um, I wanted to read this one because I actually haven't read him doing any uh, mainstream superhero work. Yeah. So this is uh, this is my uh, entrance to that. Um, Batman Year One Hundred kind of follows along the same lines as the Year One book, but instead of telling the first year of his story, it talks about the 100th year of, of him being a superhero um, and it's a, a story about a Batman um, in a future Gotham that um, is sort of more of a myth um, he's not well known nobody has ever really seen him he stays in the shadows but people are aware that there sort of is this history with Gotham with this Bat character Yeah. Um, it, and then uh, the story kind of also follows um, the is it the son or the grandson of Commissioner Gordon? Yeah, it's sort of revealed halfway through the story that he's the grandson of Commissioner Gordon. He's the grandson of Commissioner <clears throat> Gordon, who's also now Commissioner of the Gotham yeah. Police Police Force, and looks exactly the same as Jim Gordon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a it's it's kind of a red herring. Yeah. Part of the story, right? Because you first you're introduced to him, and you think like, oh, this is odd because. Jim Gordon and well, and it's, it's a hundred years, and Batman's been around, and and then he starts digging in, and he sees Batman in nineteen sixty five. Yeah, so and that's the thing about it, it plays with the timeline of comic books because yeah. to, comic books are timeless. We have characters that have existed for seventy five years, yet they're still thirty years old. Yeah, um, some of them age a little bit, like we've seen Peter Parker is not a teenager anymore, but Batman has always been an adult yeah. from the time he was, was began to now so reading Batman year 100 I figure that this is still we're just we're just still looking at another Gotham story that's why yeah. and you think that Jim Gordon is Jim Gordon and yeah. Batman is Bruce Wayne and stuff and then and then you get to like no this is actually we're actually digging into 100 years of history um, who actually is the person behind this Batman mask right now and throughout the entire book we don't know um, they never they take off his mask at one point, but who knows who that is? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, Nobody ever says his name. The Robin character always calls him Boss, and yeah. everybody else refers to him as Batman. He never refers to himself as, through his name. And, yeah. uh, and we'll get to the end in a little bit and talk about about that uh, when we do find out who he is. Um, and, but, uh, but yeah, the Jim Gordon story is him uncovering sort of a police scandal where there's they're involved with the mob or something like that and um batman and batman and it's revealed that there's going to be this like nuclear genocide or something like that yeah um so he enlists the help of batman once he figures out that batman's an actual real person um to help him uncover this thing so what i liked about this book is that batman is still batman even though we don't know who he is yeah this is a maybe a different person or whatever um, he's still doing exactly what we think Batman should be, and he's a detective. He yeah. does detecting, <laughs> but he's also um, this just force to be reckoned with. Um, yeah, he, he uh, he's very brutal in this comic, um, and he puts on like uh, fake teeth, pointy, sharp teeth to to enhance his the scary factor, and yeah. Um, so there's that side of him as well. It's, it is pulling from a bunch of different Batmans from the past and, and kind of putting them all into one. Um, and I like that. 
Paul Pope's art is exactly like we've seen in Battling Boy. It's yeah. it's kind of this beautiful ugly. I like to yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it's it's distorted and kind of twisted, and the characters have weird faces. But I find it so compelling. Yeah. Um, and he is a great storyteller. His layouts are fantastic. I love his his heavy inking and yeah. his sound effects and all that stuff. It's just a uh, really great. Um. Did you did you enjoy this? Uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and and as you pointed out the best part of it, which is that Batman detects. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that uh, that anybody who's been listening to the podcast for a while will know, like, we have this sort of back and forth with Batman, especially me, where it's sort of a love hate relationship. Where I do genuinely love the character of Batman when he is the character of Batman. I think that that he. He gets way more credit than he's than he's due, I, I, just because he he has been portrayed since the '80s, since since Frank Miller sort of put his stamp on the on the Dark Knight uh, as the dark, gritty version of of a superhero. And it's like you know, like antiheroes are are great and everything, but um, and that's cool. Like you can have that part of Batman. You can have him be dark and gritty and, and live in a dark, gritty world as opposed to the bright, happy world that Superman lives in. Um, but at the core of it, I, I, I think the, the 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 tortured soul needs to be there and yeah. the and the detective needs to be there. Because right. that is really... Um, we were just talking about this, the new Spider-Man. The new Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man uh, post-Secret Wars... He's got a car. He has a Spider-Mobile. And he's got a bunch of gadgets. <clears throat> and I was really excited about it, posted about it on Facebook, and had a friend comment, so basically he's Batman Spider-Man? <laughs> and I was like... I didn't respond on Facebook because I just didn't want to get into a whole thing. But my response, my immediate response was, if that's what you think Batman is, if you think that he's a car and gadgets, if that's all Batman means to you then that says something really sad about the state of Batman yep. in today's storytelling. Now, we did read um, uh, Court of Owls, uh, and, which is very recent, and it is very detective-y as well. It gets back to the core of Batman and what, what he needs to be. But this is a story that really drills down into that. He's got the gadgets. He's got a version of a Batmobile and this awesome motorcycle that he's got. Um which is really cool. He's got Robin is there, but it's a different Robin from what we know. Like all of the elements are familiar, but the thing that's neat about it is that the world is totally different. Right. And in that world being totally different, the the touchstone that we have for it, the familiar thing is Batman. Right. And I think that that's the coolest part of the story. So where and it's very similar to Battling Boy. The the world that that Paul Pope has created is very similar to this weird sort of um, and there's only hints of it. It's never explicitly said. It's always hinted at that it's this weird melding of corporate government. Yeah. Um, where the government is this is this totalitarian dictatorship, but. Uh, but people are just used to it. It's very much like a big brother fascist state. Yeah. Um, very Orwellian. But there's this weird corporate twist to it where everything's also very 
commercialized. Like yeah. there's all these big neon signs everywhere, and the the corporate part of it is much bigger in in Battling Boy. But the the worlds are very similar, where um, the wrong men have come into power and allowed the world to fall into darkness, right? And into into this this sad state, but. The comforting thing is knowing that there's still a Batman out there solving <laughs> crimes and doing what needs to be done in Gotham, right? Yeah. Um, so the the biggest question that I had throughout it, and they like they they make mention of it, um, and there's a little bit of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns sort of like brushed over this as well. Like it, I, it, there's Definitely. a lot of inspiration there, yeah. And there's even direct reference to it. Um, but and that deals with where Superman is and where other superheroes are in, in the Dark Knight Returns. In this, they just kind of there's a broad stroke of of all of the masks are gone, all of the superheroes are gone. They've all been wiped out except for Batman. He's the only one that's left. Um, and to me, that I don't know that that always kind of bugs me because it's like, well, what did you do about Superman? But you know what? Right? That, what did you do about some of these other more cosmic characters? But it's not important to this story. But, so. but what that does is it means that we can't bring yes. a ringer into the story. They like, can't solve the problem. You know, because we have, um, uh, we read Superman Red Sun. Yes. The answer to that story was Batman. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and that's the kind of thing with these alternate world stories is that we love to also see what are the alternate world other yeah. ca- superheroes like. How does this change to Batman affect yeah, the other but then this one, yeah. by not having any of those characters, means yeah. Batman's on his own. And yeah. we actually get a full-on Batman story without any interruption from yeah. anyone, especially Superman. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like, I understand the purpose of it, but I would have liked... Um, uh, just I, And uh, there's a lot of things in the story. It's This isn't the only thing, but there are elements to it, the way that Paul Pope tells a story, where I want those things fleshed out. Right, and that's just. I mean, obviously, we just talked about Spider Verse for however long. We just talked about Spider Verse, and we talked ad nauseum about the details and yeah. the ins and outs of it, and, and that stuff gets me going. I love it. So when you get a story like this, <laughs> that, does, that purposely doesn't that purposely your avoids questions. it. The thing that I have at the end of it is, yeah, but what about that, right? And so yeah. um, where we've got Batman Year One Hundred, I would love to see Paul Pope return to that world and tell a story about a different character that's somewhere out there like let's say the green arrow who could be operating in a very similar fashion yeah in in star city um under the radar and and not not nobody knowing about him nobody knowing that he's there so um i would like to see that because i like the world that he created it's kind of it, it's it's a melding of a lot of different things because there's it's got that dark knight returns sort of element to it but i think a little bit better um <laughs> It's got a little bit of like a Blade Runner type thing Definitely, going yeah, on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's just got all these really cool elements. But like I said, the most important part of this story is that Batman, a dude who dresses up like a bat and beats the snot out of criminals, is our he's our comfort food in this yeah. strange place, right? Yeah. Um, everything else is weird, but Batman is Batman, and and that's sort of it's. It's not just the best part of the story. It's the whole point of the story. Like it is the purpose of the whole thing, is that is that Batman should always be Batman, regardless of the context of the world that he's in. And that the the context of the world is how you then tell interesting stories about Batman, 
it's just like Superman, right? I mean, people talk about about how do you tell a good Superman story when Superman is so happy and bright, and yeah. and how do you tell a, a, a modern how does he grow? story? Yeah, um, and it's it's you change the world that he has to interact with, which I think Man of Steel did really well. I think that they're trying to do really well with Batman v Superman, and and they're bringing Batman into that um, and telling that story with him. So. Um, like that's how you tell great stories with these characters. Uh, we, we when we talked about um, uh, New Frontier, <clears throat> it was a very similar sort of thing. You you create this different world, and then your touchstones are your classic characters. Yeah, and that's what allows you. It's it's such a it's such a weird it's it's the opposite of what you're used to in in comic book stories where. Uh, the characters are the fantastical part, and then we have all of these things to ground us, like like you know, seeing real world elements brought into comic books. But but this is the flip. the The world is so fantastical and weird that Batman is the, the thing normal that grounds thing. us, yeah. um, and which is nice. And that way, the um, and they don't bring any of his big <clears throat> villains into it either. Yeah, um, the it's just the the faceless government or whatever that mm-hmm. that's the the problem. So we also don't get the fantastical villain side of Batman's world because yeah. the the world itself is is fantastic enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to read a little bit in the back of this. Um, in the back of the book, there's a bunch of uh, kind of bonus features, and Paul Pope talks a lot about um, designing the character and stuff. And I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. He says um, he says. Um, his utility belt suggests an interesting challenge to a writer and a designer. Um, he's talking in general about designing this particular costume. Uh, you don't want to just use the belt as a lazy story device, a cheap Deus Ex Machina which gets him out of a tight spot like a rich uncle's inheritance. I mean, bat shark repelling, give me a break. Um, I tried to select the belt contents based on what Batman himself would likely think he would need before setting up for battle, how much weight he would want to carry around on him, and how where would he organize the utilities in order to best utilize them how would he keep all those little metal things from rattling around and making noise when he needs to needs perfect stealth and if you notice on one uh, on page one we see some sort of little under the shoulder harness designed on the costume originally i imagined batman would naturally keep longer tools such a rope or a knife under his arm although i had to drop that soon after i started drawing because it actually interfered with the costume design in most cases um and he also says uh um, uh, he would, however, need also need some room in his belt for some sort of high-protein power bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew that for sure. Well, being a physical superhero, he's bound to get hungry. So um, it, it's that kind of thinking, I think, that, that makes Paul Pope a, a neat writer as well yeah. because he's not just thinking... He's not just pulling out gadgets. Like He has all of that planned out um, because Batman has all of that planned out. Batman will go into a, a, a scenario kind of knowing what to expect uh so would plan for it appropriately um i think he uh, i think paul pope has a lot of uh a lot of interesting ways to just look at writing superheroes and so um he says that he's done five other batman stories one of them's printed in this book at the back okay um if batman were russian communist russia okay <laughs> that's the story in the back there which is kind of good it's his first is a really early story so it's kind of different but um i like to see some more of his other work um because all of the stuff that i've read 
has that same um, government looking over your shoulder kind of yeah. feel to it. Like he, that's definitely on his mind and yeah. how he writes his stories. So yeah, um, this this was great. So you want to talk about the end a little bit? Um, yeah, yeah. We finally, at the very end, um, the whole thing, uh, Jim Gordon's quest in this whole story is to give the government as much as he knows about the Batman yeah. Um, against his will. Jim Gordon doesn't want to do that. He recognizes that Batman could be an ally and the government's bad or whatever. Um, and through this process, he uncovers the conspiracy. Um, but also through the process, he goes back... <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> he goes back to his grandfather's house, digs through his attic and finds all of these records of Batman from the past to find out... And it, it reveals who Batman is. Yeah. And in the end... At the very, very end of the book, this is a big spoiler, so you can skip ahead in the podcast right now if you don't want to find this out. We find out that Batman, or Jim Gordon, just calls Batman Bruce Wayne. And then Batman doesn't acknowledge it and then kind of takes off into the bushes and we never see him again. Yeah. Um, so, is this Batman actually Bruce Wayne, 100 years old? He still looks like he's in his 30s or 40s or whatever. Yeah. Um, or is that just kind of the appearance he's keeping? Because Jim Gordon, based on the files that he found, is pretty sure that this is still Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, which is, it's just another question that they leave open. Um, and I would have been actually perfectly happy if we didn't ever find out who Batman was. But because they were they kept poking at it, I figured it was somebody that we already knew. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. when when was this book released? Okay, let's see. It was... Um, this edition is from uh, uh, 2007 2007 yeah okay. or two, uh, no sorry 2006 okay so I'm trying to think <clears throat> when Damien was introduced oh that was way more recent than that I think uh, yeah I think that was way more that recent. was like 2010 so, or so, so we're in a we're in a pre-Damien world because now I think in, in a post-Damien world we the, figure that Robin character would be. Oh no, the, the Batman could have been Damien, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Batman would be Damien because I, I this I, like in this timeline, I think that that makes sense with his actions. I think it makes sense. So for me personally, and I think that that's one of the interesting things about this book is that he says Bruce at the end because he thinks that he's figured it out. Yeah, I don't think that he's figured it out. Right, because there's also. I think one of the things that's that that that's there is is that, and th- this is a running theme in Batman comics since I think basically the Dark Knight era uh, of things. Although Dark Knight's the only one that didn't get this right, is that Jim Gordon knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> he's Jim Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> we know that he was a great detective, and that that he's. I mean, he becomes the commissioner, so he obviously is a, is good at police work. Yes. And he works alongside this guy and meets Bruce Wayne and has all of this interaction with him. Now, in the Dark Knight movies, in that first one, he's got all the more reason to believe that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Because he's there at the moment of, of, of conception of the Batman, right? Right. At the moment that, that his parents die, or, or just soon after. Um older stories this is the idea that that Jim Gordon is there 
when Bruce Wayne's parents die is just as bad as the idea in 1989 Batman that the Joker is the one one who who killed killed his parents. It's just as bad as the idea that Norman Osborn created the spider that bites Spider-Man that gives him his powers and also the lizard and also Dr. Octopus and also the vulture and all that crap that was going to happen in Amazing Spider-Man that I'm so glad is not going to happen. It's lazy storytelling to say that one person or one thing, one event, is is the connection to all of the characters in a given universe. It's 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 boring and it's uninteresting and it doesn't it's unfair to those characters to the other characters. Jim Gordon deserves to have his own backstory. It doesn't yeah. his origin story is not also Batman's origin story. That's not yeah. fair to that character. And it's lazy storytelling, in my opinion. So, um, but the idea that that Jim Gordon knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but never does anything about it, and I mean, like, I don't, I, it, we are, I guess, the leap that we're supposed to make is that in in future Jim Gordon, Jim Gordon, technically not the second, but Jim Gordon the second, let's call him, yeah. uh, going through all of the files that that the original Jim Gordon left, I. Uh, <clears throat> that he somewhere discovers Bruce Wayne as the link into Batman. Bruce Wayne was Batman back in the day. Um, so he tries Bruce Wayne as the password, and that's the thing that unlocks it. There's sort of like a... There's a missed beat there, I think, of like him discovering the connection between Bruce Wayne and Batman and then trying that as the password. But there's only so many pages in a comic. Sometimes yeah. parts of stories have to get pulled out. Um the the idea that that Jim Gordon has been sitting on the original Jim Gordon has been sitting on this information his entire life and dies loyal to Batman loyal to Bruce Wayne never reveals his secret identity <clears throat> because he's so much more important to Gotham as the Batman as a symbol and and the, again themes that are played on in the Dark Knight series and in, in in those movies but never really fully realized in my opinion um but I think that, that that idea is there. Uh, and and at the end, it's kind of an acknowledgement that it doesn't matter who it is underneath the mask. You can believe that it's Bruce Wayne and that Bruce Wayne has somehow managed to live 100 years and remain 30 the entire time. <laughs> um, I think that some of the stuff in the middle of the story alludes to the fact that it's not Bruce Wayne because right. Bruce does clearly age. And then turn into a different Batman at some point, like because right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he's kind he kind of goes along this this path, and then in the eighties, like they talk about, like in the eighties, oh, it looks like he's put on a lot of weight and he's he moves slower, he's a bit more brutal, and that to me, like that's your that's your Dark Knight Returns Batman, yeah, <clears throat> that's the, it's a direct reference because the way that he's drawn in those panels yeah, is totally. very much that Batman. And that's when the, that book was published. Too. Yeah, and then he shows up again in the two thousands as a different. I think in ninety six as a different Batman, like as a he's, he's young and slim mm-hmm. again, and then sort of has another evolution. And to me, that says in in this in this world, you had Bruce Wayne in the in the sixty in the thirties, and he went on to be Batman all the way until the eighties. And then he stopped being Batman. Somebody else took over, probably Dick Grayson. Uh, it, you know, if you had to guess, Dick would take over that role like he does in the comics. Um, 
goes on to be Batman, raises up whoever the next Robin is, whoever his Robin was, according to this storyline, because Damien didn't exist at that point. Tim Drake. Uh, so maybe Tim Drake, maybe somebody else, right? Um, and eventually that person becomes Batman. Yep. Right? Um, and because there is a reference to it that that Robin puts on the costume for the first time in this. Yeah. Th- this Robin, the year 100 Robin, who is... I mean, he looks to me, and 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 I, I don't know. He could be. It's it's hard to tell, especially because of of Paul Pope's style. Um, he could be Asian. He could be Hispanic. But he's he does seem to have an ethnicity other than white, which I thought was refreshing. I thought it was cool. Um, yeah. But he's he's definitely not just you know a, a plain white guy like we're used to seeing in comics. Uh, and. He, there's an allusion. Uh, they allude to the fact that that when he puts on the costume, it's the first time he gets to wear it, and and this this world's oracle sort of says to him, uh, "You you did pretty well out there. Like the 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 suit even fits you pretty well. He couldn't even tell the difference." And and then he has his comments of like, "Yeah, well, you guys had to take the suit in quite a bit. You had to mess with the cowl, <laughs> and I'm wearing a pair of socks." At the end of the boots, because his feet are way bigger than mine. But uh, the idea that eventually he will take on that mantle. Yeah. This Robin will become Batman. And that that's the idea. Is that eventually, like, Robin is the apprenticeship to becoming Batman eventually. Which which is kind of the way that I've always looked at it. And, totally. And they've told stories about that idea. And, you know, we know Dick eventually becomes Nightwing because he has his own identity. But he does then also eventually become Batman. And um, and now he's a secret agent. And now he's a stupid secret agent because the new Fifty Two is the worst, and uh, and they ruined Tim Drake because Tim Drake, Tim Drake is the real like like I I think at the time that this was written maybe Tim Drake is who is under that cowl. Um, I think if it were written now it would be Damien, uh, but Tim Drake is the I think the the true successor to Batman because yeah. Tim is the detective he's every bit the detective that batman is i think we've maybe even talked about this before that's how he got the job yeah like he he deserves to be batman but he's also so much his own character that uh him being red robin i think is i think that's fine i I think that, that that that's a but the people said the same thing about nightwing back when he became nightwing right back when dick grayson became nightwing it was like well this is the this is a cool legacy for the character that he's not just living in the shadow of batman he's his own hero as well um so i don't know there's interesting stuff there there's an interesting idea about the legacy of batman that he is immortal he he he, a mortal uh but the batman is immortal so there's a cool there's a cool element there of um Batman never really has to die uh, because Batman, the Batman, is is a he's an icon, he's an image. Yep. And uh, and as long as you know there are criminals in Gotham, there will be a Batman to fight them. So, uh, I, it, there, there's cool elements there, and it's a, it's a really cool part of this story. That's like so many things that Paul Pope writes. It's totally under the surface, and it's never is never outright said. Yeah. Um, this is a Batman book for real Batman lovers, I think. And if if you if you truly love the character, you'll enjoy the book. I think so. Yep, I think uh, it's especially if you are 
if you're more of a fan of sort of alternative comics as well and, mm-hmm. and kind of stay away from superheroes um, I think you'd also enjoy this because yeah. Paul Pope brings his alternative style to it and his alternative writing uh, and it's and then it's just Batman which usually makes books better so it's good <laughs> there's something about the uh, it's it's the same as Superman it's the same as Spider-Man and you know Wolverine's got it to a certain extent um, there's an iconography of the way that these characters look <clears throat> and you like there's no way I don't think that there's really any way to, to get down to it you can try and deconstruct the characters as much as you want and figure out what it is but there's just like this alchemical component to the characters that last the test of time yeah in their visual appeal right right and that they you know you change their costumes and it doesn't matter because you know that eventually they're always going to end up back in the classic well even um, if you change the costume the silhouette of the pointy ears yeah. and the, the draping uh, cape yeah. is always there yeah so, there's there's just something about it that, that that's a uh, Yep. Yeah, it, that that it's that. Yeah, it is. It's the silhouette and those pointed ears that, and the white eyes yep. that you just go. Batman's awesome. Batman's so cool. <laughs> so it's like, that's why I say it's like a love hate relationship because I do love the character of Batman when he's done well, but it just drives me nuts how often people write him poorly. They do the same thing with Superman. They do the same thing with Spider Man, Wolverine, all all the, all the characters well, that well, we can see. That happens when you have seventy five years of history. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. just bound to happen. There's, there's there's peaks and valleys, right? Yep. So cool. Um so let's jump into our last our last comic book book. It's gonna, like I said, it's not a book yet, but it's gonna be. Um Hench Girl by uh, uh it's Kristen. Kristen Gutsnack. Gutsnack. Uh, cool name. Sorry, we keep forgetting what it is. So, Batman Year 100 was really cool, and I really liked it. It's a great Batman story. It's actually, it, it might be up there in, like, my top five Batman stories. Um, Good. Long Halloween's kind of hard to beat, because Long <laughs> Halloween is pretty definitive Batman. But, uh, but it's up there. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Spider-Verse, like I said, culmination of all of this great Spider-Man stuff. So, uh, it... it it's got a lot going for it. It's really cool. But Hench Girl was my favorite thing to read this month. Yeah. I really, really liked Hench Girl. Um, it had so many elements of so many different things that I like. Uh, just to sort of give you guys an overview of what Hench Girl is. It's basically the story of this girl, Mary Posa, who works for the Butterfly Gang. And she's a Hench Girl. Uh, she's she's not the supervillain. She is a minion. She's, she's the person who carries the money bags out to the van. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, and she's she's not very good at her job, but she's also kind of great at it. Yeah. Um, and it, it turns out that she's the daughter of two very super famous superheroes, <laughs> which is like it's this is a rebellious sort of anti-establishment thing for her to be a, a hench a hench girl. Um, and what's funny is that it, to her, it's just a job. Yeah. This is her nine to five job, or I yeah. guess it's an evening job, evenings and weekends. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, it's like someone would go to work for Starbucks. She goes to work for the Butterfly Gang, and she yeah. comes home exhausted and tells her friends about what happened at work. And, and, it's her, just and like, her friends are cool with it. Yeah. And in this world, <laughs> it's so sort of the superhero supervillain thing is so passe. It's so commonplace <laughs> that it's like whatever. Like yeah, you know, you should really think about getting a better job where you don't have to do the things like they don't care about the morality of it as much as they care about the 
the emotional toll that it takes on their friend. Right. Right? Um, because they don't want to have to listen to her, her complaining a lot yeah. of time as well. And to me, like, the, the and I said to you when we sort of did our check-in mid-month, uh, see how things were going, uh, the, that the biggest thing that it reminds me of is Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And I think that it's a, I think it's an intentional, uh, I, I, not a necessarily homage, but like there's an intentional influence there that it's very much in the vein of a Scott Pilgrim type of story. Um, and, and it's got that, it has the same attitude uh, that Brian Lee O'Malley brings to Scott Pilgrim specifically uh, above his other stuff. Uh, um, it's that weird, this is a world with superheroes, but we don't make a big deal about the fact that there are superheroes, superpowers, super, you know, fantastical things going on. It's just kind of part of the universe. Um, yeah. And then, so, and then yeah. the slacker comic sort of uh, uh, way that, that the, the, our protagonist presents herself. Um, I love that, that, uh, that it is a comic with a female protagonist that doesn't go to great lengths to remind you that she's a free female protagonist. She just is like, it's just, um, um, I think, I think especially in indie comics, a lot of the time, uh, you end up with a female protagonist that, that has to remind everybody every five minutes that they're a female protagonist. <laughs> um, and I'll go back to rat Queens as, as, as a good example. And I think that the key difference here is that this is a female it's protagonist written, written by, by a woman, a woman. Yep. as opposed to a guy going, you know, what would be cool is if there were more female protagonists. Yeah. So yeah, Miss Marvel's like, the same way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, it is, it, 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 I think, I think that this is a character to point to to say that that this is this is maybe a little bit more of what we need in comics is is women writing their perspective into it not just women everybody from different backgrounds not just as i say you know uh, i uh, white guys <laughs> you know just yep. sort of writing white guys to be white guys in a white guy universe man you know i've been reading um if you follow me on instagram i post a picture of a marvel comic that i read every day and i try to start from the beginning of fantastic four number one and read all of them like per month so i went through all of the months and i'm up to 1965 now but man stan lee that guy is i mean i know this was written in the 60s but every single woman character all of their dialogue revolves around oh that guy's dreamy or i wish he'd look at me yeah like even uh even invisible invisible girl at the time and wasp who are superheroes um not just the love interests that's all they talk about is like oh i gotta go powder my nose or that that battle yeah. ruined my makeup or it was just it's so tiring after it. <laughs> especially in the day and age we live in like these are these are not good role models yeah. at all so the next time you're watching a marvel movie and you complain about the the female characters how how uh, natalie portman's portraying an astrophysicist or something like she's in the comic jane She's an assistant nurse, yeah. And all she does is try to get the attention of Don Blake, Thor. Yeah. Um, she just swoons over him all the time. That's all she does. So be thankful. <laughs> this sounds is a little bit on the clip side, but uh, and it's not really accurate. But be thankful that we've come as far as we have. Yeah. Uh, don't be thankful for what we have because we can always do better. But yeah. which was what I was originally going to say, and then I thought better of it. But be thankful that we've that we've made the progress that we have. There's still a long ways to go, but but thankfully 
you should really be thankful that there are awesome avenues for independent comic artists yeah. out there nowadays, yep. uh, like webcomics, to to tell a story like this that I don't necessarily think Marvel or DC has. Not I, I don't. Even, it's not about guts or anything like that. But I just don't think they have the wherewithal to think like. Well, to them, it's like how how well is this going to sell? Yeah, to them, and this will for Marvel, it will not sell well for them. So they're not going to touch it. Yeah, Um, nothing like this. Yeah, but uh, but but Hench Girl is being brought to uh, hopefully hopefully a little bit more of a mainstream audience by yeah by being published. Um, do, do do we know who's publishing it? Is it? It's not any big name publisher that I know okay. of. Um, they, yeah, it's really interesting because um, we recorded the podcast on I think July first or something like that. Yeah. it was a little after the, our our date, but uh, and on that day, we I looked at the comics, the web comic, and it was the one that she posted on June thirtieth, just a few days before, said. It's happening. Hench Girl issue number one is currently in Diamond Previews catalog. Like it was a big announcement that she's yeah. actually being published. So this is good timing. Um, and I'll just click on the link here to see what uh, what the publisher is, um, because I don't think that it's one that I really heard of before. Scout Comics. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but it is. Uh, I think it's just that she's just issuing floppies, um, just the single issues as they appear on the. Yeah. on the thing but she's redoing all the artwork as well um, which is also something to talk about yeah um, so this reader poll was suggested by Jordan Cooper yeah who happens to be her boyfriend okay so he wanted to just help her out by yeah you know he I, I just recently I actually ran into him in another forum that I'm a part of online okay. he, that he happens to be a part of too he's like and he mentioned something about his his uh, girlfriend doing comics and his handle was something like Jordo C or something like that so I put two and two together and I said hey is your girlfriend uh, Kristen and he's like yeah uh, so he he loves getting her name out there and promoting yeah, her so yeah. he, this is this is it. but that was like a year ago I think that he contacted us yeah. and I remember at the time I, I went to the webcomic to have a look and didn't really read any of it just looked at the art and it was yeah. kind of it was very kind of amateurish and, and it was all black and white and yeah um so when we, you suggested going to Hench Girl this time, I went back to the website, and lo, lo and behold, um, all of these first few pages are all, all color now, and the artwork is all yeah. redone, um, only up until maybe the middle of issue number two, and then it switches back to the original black and white. Yeah. And then you get to watch, especially when you binge read it like we did, yeah. um, you watch the evolution of her artwork, and she improves drastically yeah. in a very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And she her style now is very it's it's very polished. She's yeah. she's figured out Oh, the the most recent couple of pages um uh, cuz I I've 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 caught up and read the whole thing. Uh so I've read every every page that she's done so far. Yeah, I'm only up um, to issue 6 when she first started getting into color, but the, I, mo- yeah, the went, most recent couple there's there's a there there's a moment uh, a, a couple pages into to the most recent issue, I think issue seven, uh, where this big action thing happens, <clears throat> and it is markedly different from previous pages. It, like it's got this great comic element to it, but it's still her style. So yeah, it's, and that's why one of the places where I go back to that Scott Pilgrim, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley 
influence because it 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 feels a lot like that to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. I, the the improvement is is drastic. Uh, I'll speak from experience, having done Kenobi and me for just a little bit over a year, and now I'm doing the sketch cards for Tops uh, Star Wars sketch cards. And a year ago, I would not have been able to do this. Yeah. But then I started drawing a comic every week, and even though it's just a one-panel comic every week, forcing myself into that repetition and into that that yeah. you know, I missed a couple weeks here and there, but m- more often than not, drawing every week with a purpose, um, and really sort of honing in on a style, on a specific style, and 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 character models, I. Uh, the improvement that I've seen in myself is huge. It's huge. So to anybody yeah. out there that's listening to the podcast that has ambitions of going into comics, the the biggest thing that 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 I think that we can say, based I, Curtis, you can probably talk about this as well, um, and based on example and all that, is that you just keep doing it. If you just keep doing it, um, eventually you get better. You just get better by by repetition, whether it's yep. just drawing the same shapes over and over so that you get muscle memory, or getting so sick and tired of drawing characters in the exact same pose every week that you start, that to, be you start to branch out. And yep. you decide, like, ah, this week I'll do this. Or, ah, yep. I, I want to tell this part of the story, and visually I have to do this to do that. And if you read her commentary underneath, um, because every page is posted along with sort of a blog post, You'll see that 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 when those big pages happen, when those those when she goes outside of her comfort zone, it's a it, it's it's a deliberate decision to do that. Yeah, and, and, and it, it's a struggle. Yep, and and she is stressed out and worn out by the end of that week. Yep. doing yep. that page, <laughs> but it's a, a no pain, no gain, right? Exactly. So it's, well, it's and, that old. And one of the nugget. best things to do is. <clears throat> For better or for worse, put your stuff out there online for people yep. to see. And I think she she took a risk of um, putting herself out there, putting these pages up, and doing it yep. once a week, um, because that the accountability that comes with it yeah. drives you. Yeah. Um, and I know that I do a daily web comic, um, and it's people expect it, and so now I don't want to let them down. Yeah. But that's not the reason to do it, as well. Like you, you then form the discipline. Yeah, um, and that daily or weekly discipline um, pushes you and drives yeah. you forward, uh, and that's and it shows. Like this is an obvious example of it right here. Like every week, yeah. there was noticeable improvement yeah. over um, the course of like I think it was one year from going from um, backgrounds that had um, weak perspective and no color or whatever, yeah. and, and uh, off model characters to the point where she's she's got great backgrounds and her yeah. and even from when she started doing color to where she is now the textures her color choices the palettes each page has its own palette and like it's um the color is fantastic now as yeah. well oh yeah i i, I think it, it, the cool thing about this comic we haven't even really talked about the story yet yeah um the cool thing about this comic is that it is one person's perspective it is one um and, th- and i think that's one of the cool things about creator owned is when it is a single person, um, I mean, uh, even with Batman Year 100, it's the same sort of thing, where you've got an individual who has an artistic vision of something that they want to do, whether it's a retelling of Batman, or it's sort of a silly, um, uh, It's. I mean, it's not autobiographical, but it's sort of got that biography, sort of uh, a day in the life 
comic sort of feel to it yeah. with with hench girl um along with the silly zany uh superhero angle um it is it's a specific person's perspective and i think that 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 especially with web comics which we haven't talked about web comics even though you and i both technically are in in that that uh, uh, sort of um uh, community uh web comics a lot of the time are they they live and die by that individual perspective yeah. um i think for you one of the reasons why why your comics work really well is because it is specifically about your kids and right. <laughs> and their personalities yeah. um and you don't shy away from that so like <laughs> the 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 funny thing is that um we see each other once a month at least uh maybe maybe two or three times a month uh if we see each other a lot and i see your kids once every couple of months right. like once every once few a quarter. months <laughs> yeah whatever so you throw I, a party i really don't see them that often but because i read your comics I I know their personalities. Like right. I feel like I know them really well because we see a peek into your life every day. Um and uh, I, my my favorite comic of yours recently is the one where Milo took all the puzzles and he oh, dumped man. them all out. And it's the funny thing is that that is something that Milo would do. Yeah. <laughs> and totally. it, like I read it and was like, "Oh, that's just the worst because I know that you are <laughs> Like you like with your puzzles and your board games, like like that's a the you, so, you have a thing about that. Yeah, and so I want to let's let's di- um, um, digress a little, a little, a little okay. bit yeah. into this because this is just a funny story. So <laughs> I really was, I had to take out the garbage outside yeah. and put it in the garbage can, and yeah. so um, Katie's already gone to work. So the, and I, it's fine to leave the boys by themselves or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I I was literally gone for two minutes. Yeah, and all of I. These are not, they're, they're kids' puzzles. So they, each puzzle is maybe, I, I know some of them are um, like 16 or 20 pieces, and yeah. some of them get up to maybe 30 pieces or okay. something like that. So they're not huge, but okay. they're, they're all in little Ziploc bags yeah. because they've destroyed the boxes. <laughs> um, and they're all in one tub. Yeah. Um, and I have like maybe six or seven of them are Avengers puzzles. So they all have the same characters <laughs> on them. <laughs> And, like, um, how many green pieces are there? All these Hulk pieces. I yeah. don't know which puzzle they go to. Anyway, so, yeah, I come back inside, and all of the, those puzzles are out of their bags in one big pile, and he's rolling on the floor in these puzzle pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? So, yeah, we spent the rest of the morning just sorting them, because the, you flip them over on the back side, and some of them have white back, and some of them have blue back. So we yeah. at, at least I could get some of them organized. Some of them are still... I just had to shove them in a bag because I didn't have time to get through it. <laughs> but um, that puzzle, that that comic in particular, um, usually because I don't have a lot of time to do a daily comic, yeah. it's just talking heads with bubbles and it's like the same panel four times just with different dialogue. But this one, I needed to do something different. It couldn't just be four. It, was, it ended up being four panels, three along yeah. the top and one big one on the bottom. Um, but I had to do things like I had to draw a pile of puzzle pieces. Yeah. Like this is something that I've never done, nor do I ever want to do. Yeah. But I need to do it fast. And how can I do that? So it's like it's that kind of thing. Where's where's the line between it just looking like a pile and yeah. it looking like a pile of puzzle pieces right. without 
drawing every yeah, puzzle each piece. individual yeah. one, yeah. yeah. And so it's those kind of things. Like I can relate when yeah. when Kristen uh, does does her blog post about I had to draw a crowd of people. Yeah. And like she hated that. It sucks your will to live. And like I'm a pile of puzzle pieces is the same kind of I, thing. <laughs> I, I had a similar thing about a year ago. We went to the Olive Garden with a friend of mine for his birthday. <clears throat> and uh, the whole time in the it was my idea to go to Olive Garden. I was like, "Oh, you like Italian food? We should go to Olive Garden." It's not good Italian food, but it's good food, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it's it it's good American Italian food, um, fast food Italian sort of thing. Uh, so like, let's go, let's go. You get so much food; it's so good. It's like I always have like I have like three meals out of one <laughs> one plate of pasta. Yeah, we get there and he he orders his lasagna. And the lasagna comes out on this big plate, and it's this little tiny piece of lasagna. <laughs> and Scott is Scott's twice my size. Like, okay, yeah. Scott's a big guy, and uh, and so uh, I get my 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 spaghetti, and I get spaghetti and meatballs. But then I also I get half Italian sausage, half meatballs, okay. and then two extra meatballs because you have to order meatballs in twos, and I want more meatballs. So like I've got like all of this food. This big pile of pasta, and uh, and Scott's got this little tiny square of lasagna. Yeah. So the Kenobi and me for that week was the the three of us because uh, Obi Wan is always sort of by your side. Uh, he's yeah, he's sort of inserted into my life. So you've got Scott with his big plate, little piece of lasagna. Yeah. So I had to figure out like lasagna is not hard. Just reference some Garfield comics. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to draw lasagna. And then I get to the whole, the joke of this comic, because my comics are one panel, and the, like, it's always a visual gag. Yeah. It's got to rely on on that visual aspect of it. Yeah. So I have to draw <laughs> a, a giant of pile of spaghetti. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. And I just go like, well, I've committed to this. This is the joke. Like, this is the joke for this week. I have to draw a bunch of spaghetti. So it was like how much how do I draw a pile of spaghetti how much spaghetti is a big pile of spaghetti without sitting there and drawing (laughs) just piles of spaghetti right so so I had to come up with a way of sort of almost like cross hatching to draw just like this big pile of intertwined spaghetti yeah um so yeah like I, I it's it is when you put yourself into these these positions especially when you give yourself a a a a deadline, a self-imposed deadline. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you do it on a daily basis without losing sleep. Well, um, I didn't do it yesterday or or the day before that. <laughs> Some days you just well, they're too busy. I haven't drawn a comic since May because I've been doing these sketch cards. Well, there you go, a hundred sketch cards. So, like the the other thing is is you go from drawing on a weekly basis, like I was. Uh, where I was basically drawing on Sunday, Monday to get it out Tuesday, and now I have to draw every single day yeah. three or four of these cards, which is yeah. basically three or four characters, which generally I have three characters in a comic, um, and uh, and and I've, I've I've been going crazy with these comics that I'm so excited to get done in the next week with the sketch cards and back to a weekly schedule. <laughs> drawing Kenobi and me is going to be a breeze compared to what I've well, done recently. Yeah, and you you um. You write to your own limits as well. Yeah. And I can't even imagine the Marvel style of doing things where you have a writer and then the writer gives the script to the artist and the artist looks at it and it's like, draw a great sweeping cityscape that goes over two pages and yeah. a million different Spider-Man in there. And like, you want me to draw what? <laughs> um, so, like, 
I, I think that um, Kristen does a really good job of pushing herself to like knowing what her limits are, but also pushing herself to do to do bigger and better things every time. Um, and you say we haven't really talked about the story, so maybe yeah. we should do a little bit of yeah, that. Let's there. Get um, I only read up to issue issue six. I think it began a little bit of issue six, and according to the website here, she's in the middle of issue nine. So you've read all nine issues. Uh, I've read everything. I've read up to up to this week. Okay, so um, I've only gotten to the point where she put Mannequin back together again. Um, so one of the characters is, I guess, he's kind of the love interest. Um, yeah. I don't really know because I haven't gotten quite that far. But uh, he, his superpower is that he can turn himself into a mannequin. Yeah. So, but the rub is if he's broken as a mannequin, he actually breaks for real. Yeah. He, it's kind of like Iceman. If Iceman turns to ice, he can his arm can get crushed by ice. But when he turns back into flesh, his arm is gone. Yeah, so that kind of thing. So, um, it's the same same thing. But uh, um, that I just love her her unique characters. There's a lot of Sailor Moon influence in this, which she there references is, yeah. a lot in her blog posts. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I I watched that when I was a kid too. So I'm I know <laughs> it's so familiar. But um, her style of writing is very understated. It's uh it's yeah. subtle. She likes to go for a lot of subtle jokes and subtle expressions. And um, and it really works for this style. Um, Scott Pilgrim does the subtle as well, as yeah. well as the extremes, is, yeah. um, with not much of the in-between there, see one or the other. Yeah. Um, and I think she does that a lot too. Her extremes aren't nearly as extreme as um, as Brian Lee O'Malley gets, but, um, but I like the fact that it's subtle. Because we're talking about Hench Girl. We're not yeah. talking about a big super villain or anything yeah. like that. We're talking about a helper, and, and, that, and that helps. Yeah, and you know, as I was reading it, I kept wanting her to turn over a new leaf. You know, like you kind of you it's it's but it's, this is the same as Scott Pilgrim because the whole time you're reading Scott Pilgrim volumes one through six, you're you're going get it together, Scott. Get it together. Like just just it's not that hard. Get a job, <laughs> pay rent. Yeah. Like just do the things you're supposed to do. You're just you but. I think the key there is that the character is written so well and is so likable that you actually do want to see them succeed in spite of the fact that like everything that they everything bad that happens to them they've basically done to themselves. Right, right? and if they succeed it would be a boring story. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the second that Scott Pilgrim does succeed, the story is over. Yeah. Like that's the end of it. Yeah. Right? Like when he grows up and becomes a real adult, that's the end of volume six and there's no more scott pilgrim stories to tell so um so as much as i want hench girl to to recognize that she's you know just this is a rebellious teen sort of phase that she's going through and you know like um get over it and and you know use her powers for good because although like her power set is very undefined and to the point where like people don't think that she has powers but then she clearly does because she takes a beating and just gets up and is fine the next day and she's super strong so like she's got like some super strength and and resilience sort of things that that are in there that she does have powers it's just that they're 
she doesn't know what they are yeah. because she's a slacker. So she's never like tested the limits of her strength. She doesn't like she's never clearly defined it for herself. So everybody else just kind of looks at her and goes, "Do you do you even have powers?" <laughs> and it's like, oh, "Well, I've got this little the butterfly zap thing." And it's like, "Yeah, but that's a tool." It's like, "But do you have powers?" I was like, I don't know. I guess I can lift things. And it's like, <laughs> there's this funny thing to it of like she's very clearly got powers but she never acknowledges that she right she doesn't have the self-confidence yeah yeah like she kind of looks down on herself and because she's got this old uh younger sister i think i don't know if they really establish the ages if she's older oh yeah i'm not sure um photo girl who like the whole joke there is that (laughs) photo girl is photogenic and like she like that's the that's the subtle joke there um and uh, and it's sort of like the the idea that that she's got this other sister that she can't live up to, so why bother, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's her whole attitude is like, and and then on on the like even to the extent of like, well, if she's going to be such a great little superhero, I'm going to be a I'm going to be a bad guy. Yeah, but like, but she doesn't run not a supervillain, right? Because yeah. she's not committed to it. <laughs> she's just a kind of supervillain. Yeah. But I, she can't say uh, like she she can never turn over a new leaf. She can't like as much as you want her to. And uh, I uh, I don't want to spoil things for you. But I I like it, things sort of happened in the last issue, uh, in the most recent issue where where there's kind of like I don't know she she's 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 at war with herself a little bit. Okay. So I feel like she is on the verge of maybe a breakthrough in that story. Like, it is going somewhere. I think that's the other cool thing about this story is that it does progress. Yeah. Things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with a lot of webcomics, um, maybe things don't necessarily progress. Things don't change, right? I mean, Penny Arcade, which is probably the most successful pe- most successful webcomic on the internet, um, nothing changes well Although, that's because like, that's a gag a day yeah yeah strip, right it's um and different purpose yeah yeah but but with this like this is a comic comic like it is it's a comic book yeah um it's very much like superhero comics but then also kind of that scott pilgrim thing so there is a th- there is a narrative there is a story and i think that's one of the things that i enjoy so much about it is that it is going somewhere um and i think like she has plans for the character she wants to see the character uh, grow and evolve but I'm interested to see how that turns out because she can't turn into a superhero I don't think I mean like maybe maybe, maybe eventually down the road but yeah yeah um, <clears throat> but that would completely change but yeah like her the, outlook the on comic life. is called hench girl so yeah. you almost it's it's an interesting challenge that she's given herself of like evolve the character mm-hmm. but never quite grow out of that right um, well, she could become a hench girl for a, a better bad guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, certainly. <laughs> yeah, the Butterfly Gang is kind of... It's low mm, level. Yeah, they're kind of the lowest tier, I think. I think they might be the bottom of the barrel. Um, they're, they're, their rivals are the Chainsaw Gang. And the Chainsaw Gang... There's a confrontation later on in the story that... Uh, that uh, Maybe the Chainsaw Gang's not really that big of a deal either. <laughs> so... Um, it's it's all kind of they're all kind of losers at the end of the day. I mean, they the the that's kind of the joke. Yeah. Right. Is that is that the whole group of them? Um, I don't remember. I don't want to spoil it. You, <laughs> I, I wish you would have read the whole thing like I did. 
because um, I don't remember at what point certain things happened. Because I was kind of just of all of the books that we that we read this month um, with Hench Girl, it's like I kind of couldn't stop. Like I just kind of cool. kept going through it. Yeah, I unfortunately didn't have that luxury. <laughs> I just kept on getting interrupted. But, um, you know, I... I, I read do... it on my commute. That was the biggest thing. Because oh, like, it was yeah, just on my phone. Go. I could just yeah. read it on my phone. As, as, but, yeah, uh, I couldn't do that. But I think I'm going to... I uh, did read it on the toilet whenever I could. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to start getting it in issues, A, to support the comic, yeah. uh, and B, so that so that Crystal can read it. Um, and she'll, I think she'll enjoy reading it in issues. Because <clears throat> she likes Scott Pilgrim as well, so... Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think if you haven't, if you've just kind of listened to us talk about it and you haven't actually read it yourself, um, I think, yeah. I think it, I think this is your, I said this last month at the end of the episode, like this is your opportunity to get on the ground floor of something. And when the movie gets made in six years, you can say, <laughs> yeah, I read that when it was just a webcomic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, some people go check it out because they listen to this podcast. Yeah, it's henchgirlcomic.com. Yeah, and um, the in the entire archive, the whole story is there. She's yeah. She, I guess, she's probably doing two pages a week now. It updates on Tuesdays. Yeah, and she's now updating old pages at the same time. I guess because they need to be updated since she's now getting it actually published. And she wants it to be consistent with her old style, yeah. which I don't blame her. It look, the new pages look fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know if Scout Comics does graphic novels or if they they just do the single issues, but I think that her style and her humor and her writing would work great with my favorite comic book publisher, First Second. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite. Our favorite. Our favorite yeah, because First Second is absolutely mine. Yeah, I think um, if if she wanted after she gets all these issues out, yeah. went to First Second to collect it into a graphic novel because First Second doesn't do single issues they just do yeah they just do um books the books yeah and it would fit right there with all of their other work i think it would, yeah. it would go quite well yeah absolutely absolutely I, I think it would be great but uh but uh, I, i'm 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 excited to 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 have gotten this i mean we're like you said we got the email a while ago but we're just reading it now so a little bit later to the game than we could have been but uh, i'm excited to be on the ground floor of something like this and to see this and, and also to get out there and and uh let people know yeah that this is a comic worth reading um because web comics are weird it's a it's a i would never recommend my web comic to anyone uh, <laughs> it is like it's they tend to be because it's even more underground than some underground comics i think um, well, it's so much for your friends because it's yeah. about your life, very specific yeah. parts of your life. Yeah. Um, even the gags are more inside jokes than than anything. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, it and and I think that 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 web comics can tend to be, um, it's it's a weird it's 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 a weird catch twenty two where, um, they are very super 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 niche. So, Kenobi and me is really specifically for my friends who, who also happen Star to like Wars Star Wars. Friends, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like uh, that, that's a it's a it's a it's a fairly large group within my friends because I've cultivated it that way. Right. But uh, but it's also still like a, it's a it's an audience of maybe 30, 40 people. Um, but 
the cool thing about web comics is that because the internet is so accessible and and it doesn't cost anything to check out web comics, um, your dedicated fan base when it does start to grow, when it does find its place and 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 a community, that community, it's the same with podcasting, can be uh, fervent, like, yep. like just like really really hardcore. To the point of, of uh, yep. zealotous in in the instance <laughs> of uh, of let's say Penny Arcade, yeah, um, yeah. where Penny Arcade Expo, uh, the people that are there specifically for Penny Arcade, not just because it's a video game expo, um, they are hardcore, hard hardcore. I mean, like those guys make a lot of money off of a smallish number of people, right? Um, I mean, they're making more money than. Uh, I, I I don't have specific numbers, but I would imagine, <clears throat> I guess, uh, uh, and I'm probably pretty accurate in this assumption, that they're making a lot more money, the two of them, than probably the top paid guys in the comics industry that are actually writing comics. Um, Jeff Johns is making a lot of money because he reads scripts for Warner Brothers when they go to make movies. So he gets a lot of money off of that, but... Um, actual guys writing comics. So let's say some of the bigger guys right now, if you combined Humberto Ramos and Dan Slott as two of the bigger guys in, at Marvel at the moment, they probably don't make a fraction of of what right. Mike Krahulik and, and Jerry Holkins make with Penny Arcade, which I think is really interesting. And, yeah, yeah, off of t-shirt sales. Because it's all their own convention. stuff. That's yeah. probably the main thing. Oh, it is yeah. the biggest thing, right? Yeah. It's, that, it's the image comics mentality. Um but to to the most micro degree right. of that, right? Image being the macro of like a company, a corporation that looks out for individual creators, and then and then uh, uh, Penny Arcade being this individual, um, sort of very much a, a microcosm of 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 consumer products. It's it's an interesting thing. Web comics are an interesting thing, and I think that we should do. A little bit more for the web comics industry and, and check out a, a few more sure yeah well if anybody the out there has any web comic suggestions we'd be happy yeah. to hear from you yeah. uh even if it's your own thing or your girlfriend's thing for sure <laughs> yeah we'll take we'll take all your suggestions look and take a look I, i'm a, i'm of the mind that if you don't promote your work nobody's going to right so yeah. if you've got stuff out there that you want us to know about Absolutely, we're more than happy to check it out. It, not everything's going to make it into the podcast, but but uh, if you send us an email, guaranteed we will check it out For because sure. we check out every title that everybody suggests because we need to in order to know if it's going to be right for that month's poll. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. Pullbox pod, the pullbox podcast at gmail dot com. Yep, yep. Uh, with uh, with with the title and description, um, or you can send us a message through our Facebook page. That yep. also works. Yeah, and, that also works. Yep. Um, cool. Well, I think that does it. I think that wraps us up. It better. Is it even still recording? <laughs> you <laughs> ran out of room on your phone? It should be. I think it had five hours on it, so we could have talked for even longer. That, that but, was a long uh, one, but yeah. um, because the books were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good month. It was a good month. Um, wow. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can keep up to date with everything Pullbox Podcast at pullboxpodcast.com. Um, where you can get the episodes, you can get oh, comic on. reviews. What are we reading next month? Oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't even talked about our pulls for next month yeah. before we get into our, our outro. 
what are we reading next month? What's well, your poll? My poll is um, a Vertigo title called We Three uh, by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. Yep. Um, about three animals, uh, pets, household pets that got um, genetic experiments. Uh, the go- the government took them and turned them into weapons, and so we get to to um, follow the point of view of these animals as they as they figure out who they are with all of these enhancements, quote unquote enhancements. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, We Three is a fantastic book. I've read it before. You've read it before. Yep. We're both reading it again. Yeah, this because is, this will be so my great. third time through it because it's be such a great comic. Second time, but worth talking. But there's a yep. lot of great stuff to talk yeah. about in there. Um, yeah, it is. It's fantastic. Um, cool. My my uh, pull is a comic called Pretty Deadly, uh, Volume One. I, I, the Shrike is the subtitle of that. Um, and it is, it's a comic by Image. It's a it's fairly recent. Um, I who are the who's it by? I don't know. It, Amazon's got their names all jumbled up. You you read their names earlier. What? Uh, well, Kelly Sue um, Kelly Sue DeConnick is the okay. writer, and I okay. guess Emma Rios is the is the artist. Okay. Um, yeah, I I randomly came across uh, a page from this comic on Tumblr. I uh, of volume two uh from an issue in volume two and i uh, was interested and so that's uh that's all it took it it was a really cool page it it sort of drew me in um i like the and, cover of the volume so that, yeah that's cool. so it's a it's a, i don't really know too much about it uh it's it's, it's a blind pull yeah it's a western i think cool. and uh it's sort of about death <laughs> i um <laughs> like beauty. death like as in the grim reaper death sort of thing okay. so i so I'm I'm excited to check it out. It's uh, it, it it looks like it's 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 pretty good, and it looks like there's some good good buzz about it. So it'll be cool to check out this comic that's a little bit more off the beaten path for for my polls. Um, and then uh, and then our did we even talk about a reader poll? Did we decide one? I don't think we decided on oh, a man. reader poll. <laughs> uh, let's see. You know what? Let's go with Bone. Okay. Sure. It's taken us a year to get to it. We probably should have talked about Bone sooner. But who suggested that one? Uh, Carl Carl German, who we was love our, picking his. He yeah, picks he good books, fables as well. Well, and I've um, we've already. Have you read Bone? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I read Bone. This would be interesting because I read Bone as part of Disney Adventures. Right. When it was oh, in, yeah. uh, like a sort of serialized. That, actually, in that's Disney my first experience. And then so, I read it as black and white floppies, so okay. single cool. issues. So this is uh, it'll be it'll be cool and I've to, reread it as the the Scholastic graphic novels as well. Okay, so. Cool. It'll it'll be really yeah. cool to uh, to go back to Bone because it's been a long time. So since we're just going to read Volume One. Volume One. Okay. Yeah. Out of Boneville. Cool. Out from Boneville. Cool. Volume One. Cool. Well, so there it is. There's there are our polls. Now I can tell you to go to pullboxpodcast.com to uh, to check out all of our past episodes um, and uh, see what we've read before, as well as reviews. We've got some great reviews up on the website. Um, and, uh, and of course, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pullboxpodcast, and on Twitter, at pullboxpodcast. And uh, you can follow us individually on Twitter, uh, at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-L-F. And at Curtis Findlay, Curtis with a K. Yep. Uh, and, uh, I, <clears throat> of course, we have to mention Thunderquack Podcast Network, which is the network that we are a part of. And you can find out all of our other great podcasts at thunderquack.com. Uh, as well as the link to our Patreon, 
where you can go and you can, if you do have a webcomic and you want to force us to read your webcomic, if you don't want to leave anything to chance, there is an option on our Patreon at patreon.com slash thunderquack. I think it's, is it $15 a month? I think so. Uh, where you can uh, uh, pledge at that level and then tell us what we have to read um, for, um, for a given And month. is that one where we bring them on the show and talk with them as well? Possibly. I think you get to actually... Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So it'll force us uh, to. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So if you really want to promote your comic, uh, it is that easy. So um, that's it. That does it for us this month. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for hanging in there in a, in a, a long episode where we talked a lot about Spider Man. I, I but uh, it was a, it was a long time coming. So thank yep. you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next month. Yeah, keep reading comics. <laughs>